One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Okay, guys, so tonight um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, the new book I'm going to be releasing. It's titled Transfigured. Um, It's about the awakening of what the Lord calls the horseman, I believe, which is a calling both inside and outside the church. Um, I'll get into a lot more of this uh, over the next, you know, probably eight to 10 weeks here in the school of the Holy Spirit and talk really about the equipping um, that the Lord calls every person into that is a supernatural equipping. And uh, really what drove this, uh, this uh, you know, the writing of the book was um, the Lord came to me in November of 2020, um, which is really just a few months ago. Um, I had the uh, series of dreams three nights in a row which i'm going to get into here tonight and talk um you know about the the background and kind of set the stage for where we're going to go with uh, the supernatural equipping which i believe the lord has for the church um, for you in particular um and what's coming for america uh here over the next five to ten years and so at the end of the uh the dreams um at the end of the third night uh, of the series of dreams and the discussion I had with the Lord, um, he commanded me to write this book. And so here it is. Um, I actually sat down at Christmas um, and started to write. And in a matter of about six weeks, uh, the, the book uh, is already at the editor and uh, plan to be releasing the book here in April of 2021. And so, like I said, over the next six to well, eight, eight, probably eight to ten weeks, I'm going to be ministering um, on the, the concepts of the book with the intent of, you know, the ministry that we do here after the teaching at the School of the Holy Spirit, you know, the hours of seeking, the hours of uh, getting all of you equipped with the gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge and everything. Um, you know, many of you have, have grown so much here over the last uh, four to six months um, the majority of you here now prophesy, you can minister to people, you can hear what the Lord is saying to the church. And that, that is what the essence of developed believers really is in the kingdom. And so um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing. And I believe that you are part of, of this book. You are part of what is next here in Toledo. Um, you are part of what's next here. Um, I believe in my calling, um, which I'll, I'll talk here a little bit tonight about India. Um, but I believe many of you are going to go to India with me, um, in my next mission. And so, um, like I said, over the next probably 10 weeks, we're going to be, uh, diving deep, um, into, uh, you know, the different elements of, uh, the book transfigured and, um, that then sets me up to, uh, you know, I'm going to start traveling. I got uh, at least one mission I'm going to India on, India too, here uh, in, in the summer. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. Um, so tonight, I want to introduce um, a key theme, which is really about identity um, and the dream uh, that the Lord has uh, for the awakening of all sons and daughters of God. And so... The backdrop of identity, um, you know, there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 7. Uh, Jesus uh, is quoted as saying, Behold, it is written in the book of me, I come to do your will, O Lord. That's actually quoting Psalm uh, chapter 40, verse 7, uh, which gives a little bit deeper understanding um, of, of what what the word of the Lord is here. It says, behold, I come to the throne, my rightful place as a son of God, for it is written in the books of heaven of me. And so the throne is actually the place of a son. 
the throne, the place of authority. If you are, uh, if you are a son of God, um, there's an identity that that is included, um, which is actually the foundational element of everything that you do, why you do it, where you're led. Um, what your next steps in life are, how the Lord is going to pour out into your life. It all comes from you knowing who and what you are in Christ and the expectation that the Lord wants to reveal in you that is that there's a throne for you, right? Jesus said in John uh, chapter 14, 15, 16, he, he spends all this time talking about, it's better that I go away. I'm going to send to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to reveal to you who you really are. I'm going to heaven to prepare your place for you, right? That's what he said. And so um, Jesus came as a man, but he was being unveiled as the son of God. And you too are in that same process. Every one of you were born into this world, but as you embrace Christ, as the Holy Spirit takes you by the hand and connects you to heaven, there is an unveiling, an unveiling of who you really are in Christ as the son of, as a son of God, right? So if you're in Christ, who is the son, you are a son, you are a daughter in Christ. And just as the books were written of Christ, there are books written of you, right? Every, every one of you, the Lord had in his heart before the foundations of the world. That's, that's in scripture. Um, that's a theme throughout um, both the Old and the New Testament, that there was a, a uh, that Christ and the plan to unveil you was before the foundation of the world. And so, you know, if you look at church history and some of the, I guess, the air of the church, the fallacy of the church, um, pre-Luther, pre-Martin Luther, the church made, made it about penance, what you have to do to work your way to Jesus. But the revelation of Martin Luther is, is that you are saved by grace, you're saved by faith, right? Um, and, and so both of those aspects are about sin. Do you have to work for sin or you just receive the grace for deliverance from sin? And I believe we are on the cutting edge. We are on the front edge of really the next revelation that the Lord is releasing on the earth, which is really about the restoration of the true identity of sons and daughters, the restoration of the true identity of the church. And we'll get to more of that here in a few minutes. But, um, you know, in the book of Genesis, um, Adam, you know, Adam's in the garden. He was, he, he was uh, identified as a son of God. The Lord walked with Adam in the cool of the day. So Adam had a position as a son, right? And all Adam's command to do was really to expand the garden to ultimately rule um, and dominate the earth. All authority and domination were given to him. Um, but, you know, Adam gave up his, his sonship. He gave up his authority. He gave up his domination um, as, as he listened through Eve what the serpent had whispered to her. He literally handed over the keys of authority. And so, you know, Adam, um, Adam lived, if you think of it this way, Adam lived um, a heavenly man on the earth. But then when he listened to the serpent, there was a veil put over Adam. And so no longer could Adam see and hear directly in heaven. Adam was, uh, Adam was actually confined to the earthly realm. And so it's actually a good question for you. Are you just getting by um, going through the motions or are you burning with a passion for the purpose of which God called you? Right? So, and the reason I'm asking that question is Adam survived when he gave up his authority, but he lost his identity. And a person who has, doesn't know their identity or lost their identity um, essentially just goes through the motions. They don't know who they are. They don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what their next step really is. And unfortunately, that really describes a lot of the church, a lot of, especially the American church. Um, 
you know, there's a very high percentage of people that basically just come on Sunday um, instead of embracing who they truly are in Christ because they hear the Spirit, because they are equipped in the Spirit, right? And so um, my point is most believers literally walk on this earth claiming Jesus but never really find out who they truly are in Christ because they function under a wrong theology. They function under a wrong um, purpose and intent of what Christianity really is. And I believe what the Lord is doing um, in, in this uh, next unveiling or the next equipping of Jesus um, is the awakening of the sons of God, the awakening of, true, of, of entire church denominations that are truly functioning in their purpose and their calling, and they go and dominate regions. They dominate uh, states. They dominate cities. They dominate um, even nations. And so the point is, um, the intent of the church should really be to reveal who you really are in Jesus Christ. That's our job as church leaders. It's not just to get you to the altar to say um, you believe in Jesus so that your sin is washed. Certainly that's part of it. But the bigger mission is identity. Okay? And that's really what prophecy is about. Prophecy comes from somebody who's hearing the word of the Lord. And of course, the Lord has all the books that are written about you in heaven. And through through the prophet through the prophetic voice, through the gift of the word of knowledge, um, that book begins to be unveiled to you. It's the same concept of why the Lord says that when, he, when he's going to pour out his spirit to you, that you have dreams and visions and you'll prophesy. It's because as you get dreams and visions from the Lord and he reveals your true identity in Christ, you then have the revelation of, oh my goodness, how important the Holy Spirit is. And you go impart the Holy Spirit. You go impart, uh, you, prof you learn to prophesy. You learn to hear the voice of the Lord. You get uh, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And you say what the Lord is saying. And that is the way Jesus actually commanded us to pray, right? We're, we're commanded um, to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way that you know what's going on in heaven is if you hear the voice of God. And so we'll get into that more um, later on and, you know, down the road with, with some of our other uh, messages and meetings. But um, being saved is not simply about cleansing you from sin. It's about purpose, guys. Purpose is the ultimate um, equipping of the Spirit of God in your life. And so, you know, getting back to Adam and Eve, um, it says that when they ate uh, the fruit uh, of the serpent, that their eyes were open. And what that really means is that they were no longer connected to the spirit realm and could see uh, what the spirit was saying, what the Lord himself, as he walked with Adam in the garden, they no longer were connected in spirit. They were bound to the earth. They became earthly men. They became earthly, um, uh, you know, beings. Okay. So the, so the deception of the serpent is really about uh, the taking away of the spirit realm, which if you understand that, which I'll get to here in a minute, if you understand that concept, that's why Jesus was so adamant to get to the cross and why he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He will reconnect you to the realm of heaven. You will be able to see, you will be able to hear in the spirit of God and and release heaven on earth. No longer is the earth realm locked shut, right? No longer is the earth realm limited, but those who are equipped by the Holy Spirit are advocates. They are doorways. They are portals to pour out the Spirit of God because they hear the Spirit. They know what the Lord is saying, and they release that on earth. That is the outpouring of the Spirit. You become a door. You are the gate of heaven, right? And so as Adam, um, as, as Adam and Eve's eyes, they're, they're limited to the realm of the spirit when they eat the fruit, um, the father comes looking for them. And he says, he says to them, because the, the Lord himself is a bit 
shocked. He's taken, he's taken back that they, they literally gave up their ability in the spirit realm. They actually believed the serpent and were deceived to give up the spirit. They gave up their, their, their ability in the Holy Ghost. Okay, and the Lord said, the Lord told Adam, he said, he asked this question, who said you were naked? Genesis 3.11, he says, who in the world said you were naked? Who told you that I held anything back from you? I gave you everything. If you have the Spirit of God, you have everything that I have, is basically what the Lord was saying. Okay, so the punchline here, guys, is Adam was no longer a spiritual man. He was earthly bound, okay? And, you know, not to get too deep in theology, but denominations who refuse the Holy Spirit or don't actually truly embrace the Holy Spirit and center the life of, the, of meeting and the life and purpose of meeting around the Holy Spirit, they don't actually enter into the realm of the Spirit. They claim Jesus and claim their, their, their sin is washed, but they leave all everything on the table, which is the ability, power, and purpose of, of why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into more of that in a minute here. But, um, you know, when John was on the island of Patmos and, the, and Jesus came to John and uh, started to talk to John about, you know, through deep encounters and the, the revelation, um, you know, which was revealed about, you know, the awakening of, of the true church of Christ. Um, the word revelation and, and why that this is so important for you to understand is um, the revelation of Jesus Christ is actually about the, the awakening and the revelation, the revealing of the church, the revealing of the sons in God, sons of God, sons and daughters of God on the earth. Okay. The word revelation has two parts. Um, it's, it's the Greek word apocalypto. It's made up of, of uh, the word klepto, meaning something stolen or covered up. And it's uh, the other word is the word apo, okay? Apo means to unveil what was stolen, to remove the cover, or to unveil the real thing, okay? So when you put those words together, it, is, it actually explains that the revelation of Jesus Christ is to actually undo what the serpent did to man. So as the serpent put a cover over Adam, and stole Adam's true identity, the revelation of Jesus Christ and the impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit is actually to reveal, to restore what was stolen from you, to reveal your true identity, to rip the cover that's off of you, to rip the false identity that's off of you, and to reveal what you really are, okay? So this is the true meaning of restoration. It's actually to identify and reveal the sons of God on earth. Romans 8, uh, verse 18 and 19 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation in creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The same word, the word apocalypto. So you are to be unveiled by the power of the Holy Spirit as he, re as he speaks to you through dreams and visions and establishes your real identity, the way Satan deceived you into what you were born into in this world, you have to get to the grasp of a revelation that this world is a false reality, right? Paul said it this way, this world will, will fall away, this world has an end point, but your spirit lives on forever in the realm of the spirit, okay? So as you embrace the voice of God, as you embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the essence of what Christ wrote about you in the books of heaven are unveiled, are, are revealed to you and your true identity is restored back to you, you step into the true calling and purpose of Christ, which is you become supernatural. 
You become a creature that does not exist in the world today. You literally are born again. And so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, you must be born of water and the spirit, he's talking about you must be born of the Holy Ghost. You must be literally conceived by the Holy Ghost. You must be carried by the Holy Ghost. You must be birthed by the Holy Ghost. You must be have your diapers changed as a young as a young person, as a young believer by the Holy Ghost. You must be dressed as an adolescent. You must be dressed um, as an early teenager and then into your teenage years. You must be dressed and clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit as you grow into what you truly are in Christ. That is the true meaning of being born again. It's not simply going going down to the local creek and saying, okay, baptize me in water. And then you even, you know, say, okay, I believe in Jesus. And, um, you, you know, that's not the end of it. Okay. You literally have to be, you have to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit of God that reveals the sons of God. That's, that's Romans 8, guys. That is why Jesus sent us the Holy Ghost, is to reveal the supernatural Davids, the supernatural Moseses, the supernatural Ezekiels, the supernatural sons and daughters of God who will do supernatural things, okay? And that, that is why the Holy Ghost uh, baptism is so important. Jesus said, I, he was adamant, do not leave this city. In Luke 24, he says, do not leave this city. I'm going to ascend into heaven. You stay here. And when I get to where I'm going back to, to my heavenly abode, to my throne, I will send upon you this same equipping and you will walk like I did on earth. And the way Jesus walked in John 5, 19, it said, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. Jesus was in constant connection. Jesus could see in the spirit realm. He had dreams of the spirit. He had visions of the spirit. Okay. And that is, that is the true relational dynamic. That is why Jesus spent so much time in prayer. He was in love with his father and his father was always revealing who he is, where he's going, who he's going to talk to, what's next, okay? And so when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, man, I was set on fire. I was lit up. I prayed in tongues, not because I needed to or wanted to. I prayed in tongues for hours. I would pull all-nighters praying in tongues in the Holy Ghost. I had dreams. I started to have supernatural encounters. I was taken to heaven. I was had the just crazy, amazing um, visions and, and, um, you know, things that I don't want to get into right now, but I would burn for the presence of the Lord and, and pray, uh, supernaturally for hours and hours, many times doing all night prayer. So, because I just had a burning, I needed to hear what the Lord was saying. Um, and that led me down a path to where, um, uh, a lot of you have heard me say this, but in 2015, the Lord came to me in a series of dreams. Not only did the Lord equip me in those dreams, he literally um, gave me weapons. He literally um, put a new cloth on me. Um, he commanded me uh, uh, to go to India and said that a man would call me uh, from India. And again, I didn't know anybody from India. And, um, you know, as soon as I said yes, um, you know, my phone rang. Um, the rest is history. I had plane tickets in my hand. I had, you know, crusades set up. I never did a crusade, but I followed the Holy Spirit into my next level of growth. And, you know, over the last five years, I have equipped over 6,000 pastors in India in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's 6,000 leaders of churches Okay, which equates to let's just say they each have fifty to to a hundred people. That's that's a half of million people that the Lord positioned me to speak into their lives, lay my hands on them, pray for them, see these men activated to pray in tongues, have their lives awakened to begin to prophesy and 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 follow the Holy Spirit. I've I've ministered to to 
you know, over 150,000 plus Hindus. I've seen miracles. I've seen all kind of supernatural, crazy things. And I encourage you, um, get my first book. Uh, you know, a lot of my, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, amazing miracles and, and supernatural stories are written in that book. Um, it's called The Key of David. Um, but the reason I'm bringing this up, the reason I'm bringing the call of India up is one about identity. Number one, that I did, I never knew that level of what the Lord was calling me to and what he was calling me to do. But that's part of the growth aspect of a person's identity that the Lord, I want to emphasize, the Lord came to me in dreams. He came to me in visions, spoke to me, imparted to me, told me where to go, um, what to do. And he revealed that. He equipped me in that. Okay. And so um, I guess the next thing I want to talk about is really how, um, you know, I developed where I'm at with respect to my view and intent with the American church. Um, you know, I would spend weeks in India. I would preach from sunup to sundown. Um, I'd minister in villages. I'd minister in the poorest dirt floor places you ever saw in your life. And, um, <clears throat> you know, when you offer Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and one miracle happens and they all come running, literally they come running to the altar and they're reaching for you. They're grabbing because they just witnessed Jesus Christ do a miracle. You know, and these they're all sick. They all have fevers. Many of them um, are deaf mutes. They, they, you know, the, the, the degree of disease and sickness is off the chart. And so when they have hope, when they see the hope of Christ, the power, uh, the miracle working power of Christ, there's a desperation inside of them. They just don't sit back there and analyze, well, maybe, you know, maybe I'll uh, believe, maybe, you know, I'll think this through. They don't, they don't do that. When they see a miracle, they literally run to the altar. It was not uncommon to have a thousand, two thousand people at the altar. And I'm in the middle. I have pictures of this. I'm, I'm in the middle um, in front of the stage after, after I preach. And I'm, I literally minister for hours. They run and they're grabbing to touch you. They want you to lay your hand on their head, pray for them. And just amazing stories um, of how the, the, the hunger in the people actually pull the gift. They pull the gift out of the minister. And um, when I would come back to America after these sessions and I would go into the average American church and everybody's sitting in the chairs, sitting in the pews, um, and, you know, there's not that much hunger. You know, the worship team's got to like step it up six or seven extra notches on some Sundays just to get a pulse and see if the people are, you know, going to engage and sing or, or whatever. And, um, you know, my heart started to, I literally, when I would come back from India, I would weep. I would, I would just, you know, I'd sit down in prayer and I would, this, this anguish, uh, would come on me, um, and I know it was a form of intercession, but it, it, it felt, I could feel the separation um, between the heart of Christ who thirsted and gave his life for the people and then the people in the Americanized church, the convenience form of Christianity that basically comes in the door on Sundays um, as a consumer seeing what's there for them instead of coming to gather around the voice of the Lord and to give their life and to go in the purpose of Christ. And, um, you know, I, I was doing this for years and, you know, it's been five years now. And um, just last summer, actually in the, the, the uh, summer of 2019, um, the Lord started to speak to me about Toledo, Ohio. The next thing I know, my family moves to Toledo, Ohio. He sends me to Ontario Street um, and uh, it was just a supernatural connection. The Lord connected me with the Vineyard Church here in, in Toledo. Um, within a matter of months, we start the School of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as we started the School of the Holy Spirit, um, 
you know, we have seen miracles, we have seen supernatural signs, we've seen, um, you know, many, um, many churches and many leaders locally get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We have a whole class now that uh, prophesies, that prays in tongues and prophesies. We've had people come from as far away as Wisconsin as they've heard about, you know, some of the things that's going on here. They drove 10 hours from Wisconsin just to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I was like, wow, Lord, what are you saying? But anyway, um, I believe that we are at a, a, a precipice. We are, we are at a point um, with the Lord giving me these three dreams about transfiguration and the awakening of the horsemen. I believe we're at a point um, where the Lord is, is beginning uh, to say, I am going to um, awaken the horsemen. I'm going to do something supernatural in America um, because that was my heart cry. And I believe these three dreams, which I'm going to review here in a minute, um, those dreams are the heart of God. And it's his intent and purpose in this hour to actually, um, you know, pour out his spirit in a unique way, pour out his spirit in a way that um, is going to awaken the church, create a hunger and a thirst that that uh, hasn't existed, quite honestly, for, you know, um, you know, for 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 whatever reason. Um, but I believe in this, you know, in this new era that we are entering, that the Lord is doing a supernatural work. And there's a new revealing of the sons of God in this process. And um, the concept of horsemen we'll get into here in a minute. But, uh, you know, the first dream, the first dream starts with the with the Holy Spirit waking me up, taking me downstairs in my house. And I look out my backyard. And of course, I live in a development. I live, um, I have neighbors behind me. But um, in the dream, when I looked out into my backyard, there was a barn and I could hear horses neighing. And the Holy Spirit led me outside. I'm looking um, you know, it was, uh, it had a barn door on it with the top part that was open. So I could see in, I saw there were four horses. There was a black horse, a white horse, a red horse, and a pale horse. And I'm looking, you know, and all of a sudden I see Jesus walking across my neighbor's backyard and he walks, uh, he walks over and he opens the barn door and he looks at me in the eyes. Like I could see his burning fiery eyes. And he says, the horses were meant to run free. And the dream ended and man, I woke up and I'm like, Lord, what are you, what are you, what are you, are you talking to me about Re the book of Revelation chapter six that says, you know, the four horsemen. And of course, you know, the four horsemen theology, there's a lot of bad theology out there that talks about the four horsemen being um, you know, evil, right? But can I tell you this? Um, in the book of Revelation, you know, that in chapter five, um, John is in heaven and he's looking and he's, he's crying out, who, will, who can open the seal? Who's worthy of opening the seal? And it says there's only one, that's Jesus Christ. The lamb is worthy of opening the seal. That's actually the unveiling, okay? The seven seals are unveiled only by Christ. And I believe the unveiling is about the awakening of the sons of God. Okay. And you may say, well, wait, you know, that's not my theology. Well, I'm challenging you now to sit back and just listen to me because I'm telling you what the Lord said to me. I didn't ask for these dreams. I didn't, you know, I've, I haven't been in the book of revelation for probably about five years. It's just not a place that the Lord has had me dwell lately. Um, so the Lord is drawing me back to unveil something, right? There's, a, there's an identity that's lost and the Lord wants to unveil it. He wants to give back something was stolen and reveal the real thing, the real identity. And the essence, I believe, with the barn door is instead of us believing and fearing the horse, four horsemen, what if you realized that we are the four horsemen? Okay, and I'll get to more of that here in a minute, but what if you, what if you, if, you know, when people fear something, they stay away from it, they shy away from it, they, they literally become blind to what it really is. And so 
when the Lord is saying that the horses were meant to run free, he's talking about the church. The barn represents the church. The door represents the seal. Okay, so when Jesus is opening the barn door, he's unveiling, he's unsealing, he's revealing, he's, he's bringing forth a revelation, a next level revelation in the, in the revelation of Christ, the revealing of the sons of God. Okay, and so on the next night, um, I, had a, I had a second dream. Okay, and in this second dream, um, in the second dream, the Lord um, wakes me up and takes me down to my office. And in my office, in, in, which is in the front of my house, again, I hear horses neighing. And so the Holy Spirit opens up the blinds on, on the window in my office. And when I look out, I see these four horses in my front yard. They're neighing and they're eating grass. And so I run out of my office out the front door. And when I run out the front door, Jesus is standing by my mailbox. Okay. And I walk over to Jesus and I ask him what he's doing. And he says, I'm searching for the riders of the horses. And the next thing I see is I see glowing men, glowing people walking across the field um, adjacent to my house. And um, I, see the, I see them come and Jesus whistles for the horses and he mounts the rider on the horses and the, the dream ends, okay? Jesus says these next words to me. As soon as, as soon as the dream ends, I wake up and Jesus says this. He says, the previous generations grew up fearing the four horsemen. The next generation will grow up knowing they are the four horsemen. And so I'm here to tell you that burning sons of God are called to be mounted on one of these horses. And over the next, um, uh, you know, five to 10 weeks, we are going to be getting into the meaning of each of these horses. The Lord over the last, uh, you know, three or four months, as I've dove in deep, the Lord has um, revealed a whole lot about the true meaning of these horses, the meaning of the rider, and the equipping of the rider, okay? This is really about an identity. This is about a revelation of loosing the horse out of the barn, that's, that it is no longer supposed to be bound and limited by the church. The church is supposed to release it. It's supposed to be a, a revelation of the church of Jesus Christ. The, the rider is, are the burning ones, those who are anointed, baptized in the Holy Ghost, um, mounted on the horse. And then that really gets us into um, the third dream. The third dream involves, um, and this is a real simple dream. Um, this dream starts, I see uh, four young children sitting on the four horses. They're in a meadow. They're on, it's like a rolling hill. Um, the horses are eating grass and all of a sudden I hear, I hear like a thunder from the sky and the horses look up, the riders look up and the horses begin to move. They begin to gallop and they begin to pick up speed to the point where they begin running full speed. And as they pass me, I see that the, 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 the riders of the horses literally are growing before my eyes. They literally are equipped with swords and spears and bows and arrows and crowns and um, they have all of this equipping that happens and as they pass me um, they literally are mature they you know some begin to have gray beards and long white flowing hair there's fire coming off of them they literally are supernaturally equipped and the dream ended and again the lord said to me uh, the previous generation grew up fearing the four horsemen, but the next generation will grow up knowing they are the four horsemen. So I'm here to tell you guys, I'm here to prophesy to you that the Lord in these in this hour, um, there's a new revelation coming to the church. There are going to be people um, that are supernaturally equipped 
there are going to be um, there's going to be a, a, an unveiling, a revelation of I'm, I am not going to be the only one talking about Revelation chapter six and the and the true meaning of what it really is and the loosing of the four horsemen across the earth. And I I encourage you. Some of you are going to go look up Revelation chapter 6. You haven't been in there for a while. You're going to look in there and you're going to see words like kill, famine, plague, things that you're going to think of, well, that's not from God. This guy's off his rocker. I encourage you, just wait and listen about what I'm going to talk about. Get the book, but listen to these next coming messages because I dive deep into um, the right perspective of killing, the right perspective of famine. Um, not to get into this too much, but you should know that, um, you know, if you take the nature of Christ, he actually went into the synagogue to kill a religious system that was enslaving the people. He went in there to cause a plague. He went in there to cause that synagogue system to crumble. He turned over the money changing tables. He confronted the, he confronted the liars. He confronted the ones that Jesus himself called vipers. They are of their father, the devil. They are whitewashed tombs. They enslave men. They don't free men, right? And so if you read it from that perspective, that the rider of the red horse went out to kill, that the rider of the black horse is called to pour out the wine and the oil and bring the justice of God, the scales into the church and to the world and bring the Lord's vindication, the Lord's deliverance. It gives a whole different perspective of those, those horsemen, of the horses and their riders and what their purpose and call is. And so I believe that what the Lord is saying is that the church as a majority in the theology has blinded the church to what it truly is because they could not see Jesus either, guys. They could not see the true son of God. Jesus stood before them, said, I'm the son of God. I hear his voice. And they, they called him blasphemous. They called him blasphemous. Okay. And so bad theology, instead of being connected to the Holy Spirit, will keep you blind. It will make you perceive the wrong thing. And so I encourage you, approach this with, the, with an open mind. And ask the Holy Spirit for revelation, okay? Because the Lord is, there's going to be a supernatural equipping that happens in this next five to 10 years that we have never, ever seen before. I believe you are going to see modern day giant killers be revealed. As the world gets more evil, as technology becomes um, more evil and connected to the human being, and how man is connecting technology to the human being, I believe you are going to have the equivalent of the modern-day David. You are going to have the equivalent of the modern-day um, mighty men that surrounded David and the anointing that was on them who worshipped the Lord in Zion. They're going to be needed to confront um the new type of soldier, the new type of evil weapons, the new type of, of uh, interactory, um, uh, you know, demonic human connections that are being revealed. And I don't want to get into that too deep. That's, that's already probably more um, than the, most of the church wants to know about. But um, we are going to need true horsemen. And you know, I just, I want to read a scripture because I believe this scripture connects with the equipping of the horsemen. Um, this is in Isaac, this is in Zechariah chapter 10, starting with verse four. It says, the, the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and make them his royal horse of battle. He, the Lord is saying, I will make you war horses. I will make you supernatural. Amen. He says, from him comes the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, and from him every ruler together. They shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets. This is the equipping, guys. This is dream number three. This is the Lord putting weapons in the hands of his sons and daughters. 
not only um, will you be given a horse, which I believe is reflective of, of, an, of ministry calling. And when I say ministry calling, I'm not talking about the majority of you standing in pulpits. That's not where the bulk of ministry happens. The bulk of ministry happens in your workplace, on the street, at the post office, down at the, uh, you know, the, the hospital. That's where ministry happens. You are mighty and supernatural when you say, can I pray for you? Can I lay my hand on you? This is what the Lord is saying to you now. And you see miracles happen all over the streets. That is the equipping I believe we are going to see. Okay. It says, uh, going on here with the next, the next line, they shall fight because the Lord is with him. These horsemen are called to battle. You are in a war. And if you haven't figured out that you're in a war, you're deceived. Okay. You are in the ultimate war. In fact, Genesis chapter 3 was the great commission of war. Whenever the Lord came back and recognized that the, that the serpent had stolen Adam's identity, he spoke to the serpent and said, my seed will crush you. That's a declaration of war, guys. He said, my, you, may, you may nip his ankle, but I will crush your head. I will literally come after you. I will hunt you down. And that's what we need in this time, guys. We are, we are in a time where we need these, these horsemen awakened. We need them equipped. We need horsemen so profoundly touched by the Holy Ghost that they are fearless. They are so bound in the purpose of Christ that they literally hunt down the serpent and what I mean by hunting down the serpent is you have sickness, you have people who are sick, you, are, you have people that are lost, you have people that are bound in dead religion. When you are in touch with the Holy Spirit and he sends you places, you are going to hunt. You are doing two things. You are going to, you are going to separate the people from the darkness. You are driving out the serpent. You are driving out the lie. You are driving out the false identity and revealing the true identity. That's what prophecy is. That's why Paul said to center the church around what the Lord is saying. And the whole church would convict the people. They would fall down on their face and say, surely God is alive because he just spoke. That's, that's 1 Corinthians 14, 24 to 26. He, he's saying, you are born to prophesy. You are born to literally speak into people's lives and watch the word, the living prophetic word, do the work of crushing the head of the serpent and revealing the sons of God. Okay. Continuing on here, it says, I will, um, it says, they shall be as though I had not cast them aside for the Lord their God is with them. I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. Yes, the children shall see it and be glad and their hearts shall rejoice. And you know, you guys, you guys here in Toledo, you've witnessed this the last four weeks, especially ever since the Lord told me about the angel that would visit us four weeks ago. Since that time, every week we have had outpourings right? The ministry times, there's people laughing, people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost, just outpourings of the Holy Spirit. That is the new wine. That is the commitment of the presence of the Lord. He is making you something supernatural. Amen. And so I invite you guys to come on this journey over the, over the next 10 weeks. I invite you to get the book. Um, I invite whoever's listening to bring uh, a busload of people here to Toledo, Ohio, to the to the Vineyard Church on Saturday nights, six o'clock, and uh, you will see supernatural things. Okay, um, the veil is breaking. True identities right here in front of me are being revealed. If I look at many of you compared to what you were six months ago, and now the confidence in many of you in the giftings of the Holy Spirit, you stand in front of any, anybody right? You stand, we pull people up here new. You stand in front of people and you read their mail. You reveal the books of heaven in their life. That's a horseman. That's the awakening of the horseman. I just want to spend a few minutes here talking about, um, you know, this class is about equipping. The school of the Holy Spirit is about equipping with all of the gifts, but more importantly, it's about hearing the voice of God. That's what the gifts are. It's not like the gifts are a bolt on option when you buy a car 
Jesus actually said that the voice of God is the car. Okay, man can't do it on his own. You can't simply read your Bible yourself. The Spirit of God not only reveals the meaning of the Bible, but the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God, that reveals what the Lord Himself is saying. Okay, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not an optional thing. It's actually the central engine to the kingdom of God. Okay, you can't come to an altar and say you believe in Christ and walk away without the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded the disciples, do not leave this city. You're not done yet. I'm not done with you. Stay in this city. Luke 24, right? Stay in this city and I'm going to put upon you the power of the Holy Ghost. You will hear my voice. You will hear the voice of my Father and the supernatural equipping will go with you everywhere you go and your confidence will no longer. And see, this is, this is where the, the heart of the issue is, guys. We have the majority of our American church who, who they say they believe in Jesus, but their confidence is in themselves. And when a person's confidence is in themselves, they fear, they're afraid. They really haven't given their lives. A, a person who's, who's courageous and bold is only bold and courageous because the voice of God leads them places. That's like me. I was scared to death. I wasn't ready to go to India. I purposely, I, if I looked at the world, if you spun a, a globe in front of me, you know, there is no way I'd ever go to India. But the Lord came to me in a dream, equipped me supernaturally to do something that I was never equipped to do before. Amen. And so courage is a function of hearing the voice of the Lord. That's why he said, I will pour out dreams and visions in your life. And so, you know, the equipping of the spirit um, is twofold. He, he, he initially equips you, but he gives you a way to get more. There is always more of the Holy Spirit. There is always a new level. There is always a maturity that you can step into that you didn't have last year or you didn't have 10 years ago. Okay, so the way the Lord equips a person's heart to follow him is to actually cry out for him. There's a continuous need. You see, there's theologies out there that say, well, you don't have to cry out to God because he's already here. He's in you. And that's true. There's a lot of scripture that talks about that. But Revelation chapter 21 says that the, the spirit and the bride cry out together. They need they need more. Right. That's what that's why the that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand to mature you, to mount you on your horse, to open the barn door, mount you on your horse, on your calling, on your purpose and equip you and mature you into what you really are in Christ. And the way you do that is you use the equipping of the spirit in you when you pray. Um, Zephaniah uh, chapter three, verse eight, nine says this, therefore wait on me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. He's talking about being in the midst of the war. He says, wait for me, for then I will restore to the people a pure language that they may call on my name. Okay. So when you have the revelation that you are in a battle, that you um, need more, right? That you need more equipping, that you need to hear him for today's battle, for tomorrow's battle, for next month's battle, for your trip to India, for your trip to, to Pittsburgh, your trip to Toronto, wherever the Lord is calling you, you need to hear. And so this pure language is connected to, to the conquest it's connected to invading land that the Lord promised you, that you cry out to him using his language and he hears you and turns to you, okay? That's why he gives you the gift of tongues. That's why um, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are um, for the people, for, for equipping, for doing supernatural things with the exception of the gift of tongues. Your personal prayer language is to equip you to cry out supernaturally so that no longer are you veiled in prayer, but you are unveiled in prayer. This is, this is part of your true identity in Christ, okay? When the Lord equips you with the gift of tongues, um, tongues, uh, there's, there's a pattern in the Bible 
that it you know when when the when the spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 it says they prayed in tongues and prophesied that same pattern every time there was an outpouring Acts chapter 19 when Paul finds believers they were baptized um, in repentance, but they were not baptized in Christ. They were not, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Paul says, well, you need the Holy Ghost, man. He says, can I pray for you? He lays his hand on them and it says they prayed in tongues and prophesied. That's the same thing. Acts, or, yeah, Acts chapter eight, they prayed in tongues and prophesied. Tongues always leads to hearing the voice of God and equipping you to prophesy. But Prophet, people say, well, I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why don't I prophesy? Well, tell me about your prayer life. They say, well, yeah, I don't pray. Well, that's probably why you don't prophesy, okay? I get up every morning. I spend hours with the Lord. Sometimes, well, oftentimes I either pray at midday and I pray before in the evening. I pray hours every day. I hear the Lord. I have to hear the Lord. That's my mission in life. Why would I live? Why would I live? With, without without hearing the Lord. It's not, it's, there's no life when you don't hear the Lord. There's no revelation in the next thing, in purpose, in what we're going to do next, okay? And so the gift of tongues is so that you can cry out, okay? So um, I want to take you to uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verse um, 9 and 10. Um, because this scripture is what Paul references in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 20 and 21. Paul references Isaiah 28, 9, 9 to 11. Okay. In the reason for tongues. Okay. So the Lord says this, and this is out of the amplified version. It says, to whom will he teach knowledge, meaning grant revelation? Whom will he real, reveal heavenly vision, dreams? Who will he, who, who will he reveal it to? And whom will we make to understand the message? He says, those who are babies, those just weaned from milk, taken from the breast, is that what he thinks we are? For it is his prophets repeating over and over, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, rule upon rule, rule upon rule, here little, there little. And what he's saying here, is it the preacher standing up and just reading stuff out of the Bible? And the Lord answers, verse 11, he says, no. No, but the Lord will teach the rebels, that's us, the veiled ones. He will teach us in a more humiliating way with a stammering lip and another tongue. Okay, this is extremely important because the, the Hebrew meaning of the scripture is equivalent to a baby crying out for milk. Okay, when the baby cries out for milk, the mother doesn't have to think about turning on the milk. The milk flows automatic. And the Lord is equating. He goes, I'm giving you the gift of tongues. When you pray in the gift of tongues, the milk from me will automatically flow. Visions will flow. Dreams will flow. Prophecy and all the gifts of the Spirit will flow out of your prayer life. You will hear from me. I will give you wisdom. I will teach you. Okay? And, you know, this is a, this is a hard thing to bring to people's revelation. Because most people in modern day denominations grow up thinking that the essence of God is in that Bible. Listen, that Bible's true, but there's no way you understand it or even know what applies to you in the certain circumstance you're in. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about hearing the voice of God. He teaches you more with one dream or one vision and the impartation of it than you sitting down and trying to figure out the Bible. He never told you to sit down and try to figure out the Bible. He told you to connect to him in the Holy Ghost and be so burning after his presence that he would come and teach you. He would reveal heaven to you. He would talk to you. And granted, there are deep revelations he will reveal to you using the Bible. But the Bible isn't the end all say all. Your knowing of Christ and the heart of Christ, knowing your Father's voice, and following him through life is the equipping. Okay, we can we can open the barn door. We can get, get, get the horse out for you. We can actually set you on fire. We can lay our hands on you 
Many of you, just like what happened in here, many of you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You start praying in tongues and you can even be mounted on your horse. But the question to you is, do you want to sit on that horse as a child with that horse wandering aimless, aimlessly throughout the meadow, eating grass? Or do you want to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and suddenly there's a thunder like I heard in the dream? I heard voice, his voice come out of the sky, the thunder. That's, the, that's a symbol of the voice of God. The horse immediately perks up and starts to, to run. And as the horse begins to run because it thundered, the rider on the horse matures in front of my eyes. Weapons are given to him or her. Crowns, anointings, oils, clothing. Those are symbols of the equipping of the Holy Spirit, right? Until there's a maturity. And so I encourage you guys, um, if you don't pray, pray. If you don't, if you have never been baptized in the gift of the Holy Spirit, um, we're going to begin to pray right now. Okay. So Father, um, I just pray for every person listening right now that they would receive the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would equip them with the gift of tongues, with dreams and visions and prophecy. Lord, I pray that you would awaken them and cause their hearts to burn right now in the name of Jesus. Um, and I encourage you as, as you're listening, um, many of you right now, the way the Holy Spirit works in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is people begin to get a burning in their belly or a burning in their chest. They, some people even get a lump in their throat. That is, that is, that's the presence of the Lord. He is with you. And, you know, tongue sounds like, um, it sounds like a baby. It literally means goo goo gaga. That's the heart cry. Okay. It's in a language you can't think of. It has to flow out of your heart. It's the equipping of the spirit. It's supernatural. And so I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a few minutes. And I encourage you um, to just relax and let the sound of the spirit, let whatever sound the Lord is putting on your tongue, just let it flow and, and um, he will equip you. Okay. And so, Bemde basho prababe ete tisto broca brete tiro coste Cristo Cristo kereste ketea kerende bidala kerende bidala brebora bropapa brepepe brete pre bito bro ude brabanene brahmano babara brahmano babara brahmano babara bristo bushele liti kiyokopa kiyakapase Carende de lebra, brebabite costa cupede, breti tioro copala bende diolo, bremanabala bremenabote, stito, stico papare, prende barabanda bore embreando. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person hearing, Lord, for every person who heard this message, Lord and the call that you have for the awakening of the horsemen, Lord, I pray that they would be imparted right now, prophecy, dreams, and visions. Lord, I pray that they would be equipped with words of knowledge, discernment, tongues and interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, that they would lay hands on the sick and they recover. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would equip your church, that you would launch the Davids into the world. You would launch the Moseses into the world, that you would launch the horsemen, Lord, to awaken the church in Jesus' name. Lord, let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on every person hearing right now in Jesus' name. Borakusti, brete tila ambra, Emeshe prapa babite brese de labra, bomene nasti, dikarastikio, kakole e kalo kukole kekela pepira bandolo, brende do stobra, bromba balabaso, brande bolabase, brende bestibra alebre abala, broba barababarabuso tototishebre, barabandole ala la barabareoro ubra, brende ne didiora, Bremene bebidioro, Bristo costa praba, Breba bala lebidioro, Bustoba de la ibro, Breke tila ba, 
Brekitindo coste praca palebete, bre babarabo tela balobo biolobo pale, brende dirioro, breste stiarataka pa 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 tote te se, dia mama mama do boba biaraba piarabatia, bej de endo broba alla bobanda broa, bem de bustoa, bromite brete, bremene mobala. Brete Buddha, Brete Brupaba, Sopra Pababariala, Bremene Mamandobre, Brombe Balabela, Brembe Balabala Bobiala, Bre Bibisto Brushiko Bosote Pocala Basanku, Creste Pula Pande, Bristo Buja Balabaliola La Bugiola La Balabaladea, Brena Nande di Stibro, Brande do Stabre Bosto Brete Vilabande, Brande bola bala veleala, bristo bola bande busto babuka basso kukite brake bandebra. Bomba. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D A V I D C U P P E T T dot O R G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.